the Ain't No Fang Podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. It's an exciting time to be an Arizona Diamondbacks fan. Top prospect in the organization is up and performing. Tori Lovello's contract situation is a little bit clearer. And Madison Bumgarner, a lot of drama going on there. Welcome back to the Ain't No Fang podcast. It's Steve Zinsmeister and Cody Fincher as well. Let's start here, Bear. Corbin Carroll is up. He's performing. He's 3-for-10 in his first 10 plate appearance, or at-bats, I should say. Two doubles, five RBI, four runs, and he hit a 439-foot double off the center field wall last night. Can we get a smaller wall in center field? Because that... There's there's a Twitter account called I think it's called like Would It Dong. It just basically says <laughs> Would that almost home run have been a home run anywhere else? And apparently Corbin Carroll's two run double in the uh late in the game, I can't remember what inning it was in, but uh late in the game last night would have been a home run in every other major league ballpark except for Chase Field. I, and I'm I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? And then I look. I'm like, of course it is, because the stupid wall in center field is like twenty feet tall or whatever. It's too too tall at least. And the, yeah. and the yellow line is way too high because they have to put it on those overhangs. Like it's it's just like that would have been a home run anywhere except for that stupid giant wall out in center field, at Chase Field. But yeah, Corbin Carroll, man, he's been everything. Uh, that was advertised, you know, from the minor leagues. And I didn't realize how fast he is. He is fast. Like that dude on, on, uh, Alec Thomas's double. By the way, it was down the left field line and Corbin Carroll's on first base scored no problem. Like that, that kid is, he is speed. Corbin Carroll is speed. And he's, I mean, he had one kind of, in his first game on Monday, like in the first inning, a ball was hit right at him at 113 miles an hour, by the way. So you try and catch it. Bryce Harper, um, right? Yeah. Bryce Harper smoked a ball. A lot of people smoked balls off of Madison Bumgarner Monday. But yeah, I mean, he he, he just uh, he, he kind of might have been knuckling on him a little bit because he went to his 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 left. He kind of tried to slide and catch it and it got by him. Whatever. They didn't call it an error. So but. Man, and then of course the Diamondbacks were down seven nothing because Madison Bumgarner was terrible, terrible against the Phillies on Monday night, and they came all the way back to uh to win set thirteen to seven. It's the first time in franchise history they've come back from a seven run deficit and won the game. Um, and Corbin Carroll, of course, got the biggest hit. Uh, one of the biggest hits. Carson Kelly had a base clearing double that was really huge. But Corbin Carroll gave the D backs the lead with a two run double, made it nine to seven. But yeah, this this kid, this kid is he is dynamic. He's you know almost beaten out infield. He and Thomas, they were hitting balls that weren't even leaving the infield and they were making it to first base. That's how fast this team is. And don't forget about Varsho. Varsho is really fast too. So this outfield for the Diamondbacks has potential to be just dynamic, especially on defense. 
I was trying to think of a comp for Corbin Carroll in Major League Baseball. I can't remember if you're the one who brought this name up to me, but I like it a lot. Uh, Christian Yelich. He's like a faster Christian Yelich. Now, I realize I'm comparing him to a guy who won an MVP, uh, a guy who's been a multi-time all-star. So it's tough to do that, right? But I'm thinking left-handed center fielder. Uh, who's probably going to play a lot more corner because because <laughs> Alec Thomas is in center field and he's been fantastic. Um, so it's a good problem to have. Has a lot of power. I mean, which was evident in that 439 foot double off the center field wall. Yeah. Um, I think Christian Yelich is probably the best comp I can come up with. There's a couple of young guys like a Michael Harris or um, people like that who are sort of comparable, but they're all just prospects, right? Like I'm looking for an established comp. Do you have a better one than Yelich? Um, not, I mean, not really. It's hard because Corbin Carroll, he's, he's pretty small. He's under six feet tall. He's like 150 pounds soaking wet. Um, but he's got this pop in his bat that is, you know, you don't really see that a lot from guys his size, but he, but it's, it's, it's working for him and he's super fast he makes contact. He doesn't swing at bad pitches. That seems to be a trend now with all these D-backs young hitters. They don't swing at bad pitches. They just don't. They don't do it, and that's why they get on base so much. And I think that's what they were, what the front office has been going for when drafting these guys and 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 signing these guys that they they're bringing in. Like they just have productive at bats almost every time. Um, I I don't know. I can't think. I can't think of anybody like him off the top of my head i guess yelich is a good one hopefully he doesn't decline as much as christian yelich has well yelich but yelich kind of caught on late too like his decline i mean if you look at his decline it's not really unexpected it's at it's at an age where you kind of i mean he's north of 30 and it happens right Uh, still a pretty good player i guess the last two seasons have been really rough yeah he's just he's not a good defensive player at all he's got no arm Right. Um. He's not super fast. I mean, he's got decent speed, I guess. But he's. I think he's. He's pretty. He's pretty tall. But there's just I not mean, a lot of guys like Corbin Carroll who no, are undersized aren't. and yet five tool player. Right. I mean, there's not a tool he doesn't have. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. And that's something that the Diamondbacks. I. Don't, I don't know that they've ever had a player like that to be honest with you i mean goldschmidt was great don't get me wrong well, but he he wasn't fast i mean he stole some bases for a first baseman he was he was pretty good at that but i mean I, he didn't have an arm at all not that he needed it at first base but he wasn't a five tool player he played first base justin upton wasn't really five tool he was never really that fast i didn't think i was gonna say it, i feel like the d-backs haven't had this kind of like hype around a prospect since upton um because Upton was supposed to be that guy. He was. Supposed I thought to be about a Archie player. I thought about Archie Bradley. Okay, because he was yeah. the number one pitching prospect in baseball as a starting pitcher at one point. Yeah, but I don't remember him when he got called up. I don't remember it being as exciting. And remember, it got. If I remember right, he was up for a while, and then he got hit in the face. Yeah, it kind of got derailed by the line drive and that I I still think that was a turning point in his career where I he came back from that and I just felt like he was kind of not the same guy whether he was scared of the ball, I don't know. I I when he came I don't back, think that's I don't it. think he ever started a game when he came back from that. I think If he, he did, he immediately moved to the bullpen pretty quickly. Yeah. 
and yeah. and had and had a decent amount of success in Arizona in the bullpen, and he's still got a job elsewhere. So I guess that's some level of success. But I I think I agree with you. Like there hasn't really been a big prospect call up like this in a long time. Maybe it's Upton because there was hype around Upton being the number one overall pick, right? And you get that when you're a number one overall pick, no matter who you are. The Diamondbacks, obviously, the only time they got the number one pick recently was Dansby Swanson. They traded him away, so you didn't mm-hmm. have that. Now, you could make the argument that a guy like Zach Granke or maybe after trading for Shelby Miller, like their de- debuts as a Diamondback were big, but that's not the same thing as a guy that you drafted and kind of you know groomed in the minor leagues to be a major league player. And he's so young. He's only 22 years old, you know, <laughs> so it's... It, it, I mean, I agree. Like, I think probably the last time, like, I was excited for a D-backs debut, like prospect or otherwise, was probably Granky. I would, I would guess, um, because you know they did pay him all that money. He was coming off ridiculous uh, season with the Dodgers, um, but yeah, this is this is different because, I mean, Corbin Carroll's going to be around here for a long time. Uh, he's 22 years old. He's under obviously club control through however long, probably like 2028 20, or something. Unless, uh, let's see if the D backs do one of these uh, prospect deals with him, with him, you know, like the Mariners did with Julio Rodriguez, the Rays with Wander Franco, the Padres with Fernando Tatis Jr. I don't know, but. Um, well, Tatis some those, wasn't. Some have backfired, but. Tatis wasn't exactly the same because Tatis came up and played about a season and a half before he got that contract. Like they knew that he was an elite level player at the major league level before they gave him three hundred thirty million or whatever. Yeah, they're it was. probably regretting that now. But, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but they couldn't have controlled that, right? Like right. they were paying for the quality of the player, and I think they probably did about what was necessary, especially when you consider what Francisco Lindor got. And I never thought yeah. he was worth that, and I'm a Cleveland fan. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, it will be interesting. Like, do they go the Wander Franco route where you hand them? 80 to 100 million over, you know, eight, 10 years, whatever it is, yeah. and just bank on him being worth more than that? Or do you go the creative Julio Rodriguez route where I can't even really explain the deal that Julio just got, where basically it's like eight years, but it could be 18 years and he could it's get 200 million, but yeah. it could be 400 million. Yeah, right, right. And it depends weird. on MVP voting and all star yeah. appearances. And I, I'll bet you if anybody in this organization, it's got to be Corbin Carroll who's getting oh, considered for one of those deals sure but i mean it's just it's just so exciting like d-backs baseball is exciting again and the future the future is right is now the future is now for this team i mean if you look at it corbin carroll's up alec thomas is here dalton varsho is now pretty much cemented in the outfield stone garrett is here i mean they 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 sent down jordan luplo finally Finally, they sent down Jordan Luplo um, to bring up Corbin Carroll. I mean, that that just the Luplo thing just didn't work out. I'm very glad with the way that the organization is now embracing the young talent. Jake McCarthy. I can't forget about Jake McCarthy. That kid has been nothing but spectacular since he got at regular playing time after they traded David Peralta at the trade deadline. He's been outstanding. He drove in last night. Uh, I forget what the score was 10 to three or whatever it was 11, 12, three, whatever it was. But at one point it was eight to nothing. And McCarthy had driven in five of the eight runs. He had a two run triple and then he had a three run home run. 
Like, and that's something you're not expecting for Jake McCarthy, home runs and triples. I mean, you're expecting, you know, just singles and good defense and stolen bases, but he's he's done everything. Um, and Stone Garrett's played pretty well too when he gets the chance. That dude just hit hits balls hard no matter what. Um he hit a home run on Monday night. Uh but he hit one off Dylan Cease, who might be one of the yes, best pitchers in the American League his this first year. First career home run. Off probably, you know, one of the Cy Young candidates in the American League. I think Verlander is going to win it. But yeah, you're probably that's right. just me. But anyway, at the age of 58. But, yeah. <laughs> but man, it's just it's so exciting to see the direction of this team. And like you and I have been talking about uh, just uh, privately, not on this podcast. But I mean, if they could just bring in a couple pieces this team might be a playoff team next year if 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 their young players continue to produce the way that they have and improve upon that. Um, I mean, obviously, in my opinion, their biggest need is pitching. Um, they need another starter, maybe two. Who knows? And they need bullpen help. Um, and a I lot think they it. need. I think they need at least one infielder, an infield bat. Um, for me, it probably either. Th- third base or shortstop um, because I mean, I like Geraldo Perdomo, but he just doesn't hit consistently enough for me. Plays good defense. I'll give him that. He, and he works good at bats. He's been, he's been, he's been uh, better at the plate uh, recently than he has been all year, but I mean, or, or third base. I don't know if Rojas is the long-term solution there. I don't know if Emmanuel Rivera is the long-term solution there. Not sure. I'm not sure what's available. I know there's a pretty good amount of short, uh, good shortstops on the free agent market coming up, but I don't know if the D-backs will shell out the money for one of those guys. But I mean, if this if this team if this young core continues to produce, I mean, they're set in the outfield. Yeah, <laughs> don't even touch I mean, the outfield. The, the outfield, you got it already. I mean, yeah. Varsho, uh, Varsho, Thomas, Carroll, and then Stone Garrett and Jake McCarthy. Like, yeah, you're good. There's you're, no need. You're, you're probably good in the outfield. <laughs> and worth noting, too, even with Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas both up this season, the Diamondbacks still have two of the top 15 prospects in all of baseball, and Jordan Lawler and uh, Drew Jones, who are, you know, Drew Jones just got drafted, so he might be a couple years yeah. out. But Jordan Lawler just got moved up to double A recently, so he's going to have at least a month in, under his belt uh, in double A or close to it by the end of the season. So you could see him as a September call up at the end of next season. So your shortstop solution might just need to be a one year holdover. You know, you go get, I don't know, I'm just throwing out random names, but like you think of like what uh, happened with Eugenio Suarez, where you just hold on to him and you don't love him at shortstop or whatever, but you just kind of do it for a few months and then see if you can get your solution figured out later in the year. Um, Also, having to do with the future of the club, the Diamondbacks announced that they have exercised the club option for 2023 for manager Tori Lovello. You and I talked last year when they had to come to a decision on Lovello. And we basically, when they decided to bring him back for one more season and operate under a one-year deal, we basically attested that to the idea that they weren't judging him on wins and losses anymore but on how well they implement young players. And I think it's telling that they decided to pick up the option right after Corbin Carroll gets brought up. And (laughs) all these guys are clicking on all cylinders. And it's clear to me that they brought him back. There was no reason not to. 
because he implemented a good culture this season. They brought a lot of young guys up. They're performing well. And now the team had no, they had to bring him back because he did everything they asked of him. But now the pressure is on because next season he can no longer be judged on young players in being implemented. They're here. They're here now. You need to win games starting next season. Yeah. And just going back to the decision to bring him back. I mean, if they were going to if they were going to let him go or fire Tori Lovello, they just would have let his contract run out after last year. Their worst season in franchise history. Like if they were wanting to move on from Tori, they would have done it. They would have been done last after last season. Last season was horrible. And whether it's all his fault or not, I don't know. I mean, the roster was really bad. I mean, let's just, it was, let's, let's not beat around the bush. That roster was horrible last year that they had um, just left and right. Things didn't work out. And this year, um, you know, it's a little bit different. They embraced the youth movement a little bit more, especially now more recently, obviously with stone Garrett getting called up Corbin Carroll getting called up um, and they sending down veterans like Luplo, you know, and uh, I'm just, I'm reading from uh, John Gambardoro's Twitter account, and this is what he said. He said the Diamondbacks wanted to see how Tori Lovello, Tori Lovello integrated the young players into the system before committing to picking up his option in 2023. They feel he embraced the young players, and he's given them real opportunities to succeed. So it's still lo- – and he goes on to say it's still three straight losing seasons, but, I mean, it's only one year for Tori, and they'll be back in this situation at the same time next year. But is that I fair mean, to Tori? Um, he did everything you asked of him this season. Is it fair to bring him back on a one year deal? I don't. I, it's so it's so tough to say because, I mean, yeah, he is doing exactly what they want him to do. But at the same time, for the club, if they make a leap next year, and they if they feel like Tori isn't the guy to bring them to the promised land. Maybe they can go in a different direction. It's kind of keeping the options open for the club. And I get that. And at the same time, for Tori, he's still getting the chance to manage a big league club. Right. It's so a job. You get to keep your it's, job. It's it's a big league manager managerial job. Um, so I, I think it I think it works for both parties, honestly, because it gives the Diamondbacks flexibility to decide if Tori is the guy they want to roll with long-term. And at the same time, it gives, it gives Tori the opportunity to manage more games in the big leagues. And possibly if, if they decide to part ways next year, he can maybe say, Hey, I've been the manager for the diamondbacks for eight years or, or seven years, what seven, eight years, whatever it is. I think right now he's at six. So next year will be a seventh year. And I'm the all-time winningest manager in that franchise's history. He can use that stuff to, you know, levy a new opportunity if that presents itself too. So, I think it's okay for both sides. I mean, it it's kind of got to stink for Tory a little bit because you know, being on a one-year deal, like anything can happen. If they take a huge step backwards next year, I mean, it'd be really easy to let Tory go because he's only got next year on his contract. So it's not like they owe him a bunch of money in a, over a bunch of years, you know, like, like in football, when, you know, you hire a coach, you give him a four year deal and then, Oh, the team is terrible. We're going to fire you. We owe you money for four years. That's not what's going on with Tory. But, and so that kind of probably stinks for him because it's not a lot of security, but I feel like 
it's a little bit different in in this situation because of how close he and Mike Hazen are together uh, tied together. They're both they both came from Boston Red Sox. They've been working together for a long time. I think so they were both in the minors in Cleveland together as players. Oh, oh really? I, I think that's that. where the relationship started, if I remember okay. right. So, I mean, there you go. If that's true, then I wouldn't expect them to fire Tory unless like this team wins like zero games in the, in the first two months of the season. I don't know. But, uh, but I mean, I, I think it's okay for both sides. I understand why they, they brought him back. I mean, the team has improved. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of it has improved because of the better coaches that he has on his staff. I think Brent Strom and Jeff Bannister have been really good for Tory and the players, especially, but um, not saying that Tory isn't a good coach himself, but I mean, if you have a good staff that only helps, right? I mean, Brent Strom is one of the better pitching coaches this team has had in its history. Um, Jeff Bannister has a, is a former manager of the year in the American league with the Texas Rangers. So he knows what he's doing too. So that, and all that always helps. I always think, I always go back to 2017 when Tory won manager of the year. And of course the team was good. The play had good players, but his bench coach was Ron Gardenhire who had been there and done that in the major leagues. And that only helps a guy, a manager when you have experience like that on your staff. I was trying to go back and look through where the Hazen Lavello relationship started. I, I said as players, Mike Hazen, I don't believe was a player at that point in time, but he was an intern within the Cleveland Indians uh, machine that was their front office for so many years. And he was working as an advanced scout in the minors around 2001, 2002. I wouldn't be shocked if Tory was kind of involved in that somehow. But anyway, mm-hmm. the relationship is very deep. You're right. It goes back a, a ways. And so Tory is now the winningest manager in Arizona's history. And a lot of that is because he's been around the longest. He's the longest yeah. tenured. But I guess, I guess those two things go hand in hand. Um, but again, he didn't do anything but what you asked of him this season. So having him back makes all the sense in the world. Last week, our podcast was almost exclusively about what the heck is going on with Madison Bumgarner. We, uh, we still the, don't know. Well, we still don't know. Not exactly. So a week ago, <laughs> we talked about how they were skipping his spot in the rotation so he could work on some things, some tweaks, they call them, with Brent Strom. Uh, he went out. Uh, Monday, which was Corbin Carroll's debut. And that So I wanted to go to the game. I went to the ballpark for the game because I wanted to see Corbin Carroll's debut and hopefully catch his first hit. You know, not the ball, but, you know, see his first hit, and uh, which I did. But unfortunately, Madison Bumgarner was terrible. By the time I got to the ballpark, which was middle of the first inning, they were already down 2 nothing, And there were like four or five balls in the first inning that were hit 100 miles an hour off of him. Then there's that 113 off the bat of Bryce Harper, that you mentioned earlier, he had a horrible outing, just terrible. And afterwards, he didn't really give any specifics on what he was working on with Brent Strom. He even went as far as to say, like, eh, I'm not really doing anything different. And I'm like, well, then what the heck was the point of skipping your start? What, what have you been working on? What, what are you trying to improve? And he didn't really reveal anything. He even kind of joked, like, hey, if, uh, if giving up seven runs helps us win the game, I'll do it every time. And I was like, no, <laughs> you giving so up seven funny. runs did not help win. It actually made it more difficult. Um, so I don't, I don't know, know what's going know on. This works, Madison, but <laughs> yeah. that's not good. That's I don't not know. A good thing to do. I don't know specifically what's going on, but that guy is just getting rocked right now. And I know a lot of people are talking about the possibility of just shutting the 
shutting him down for the rest of the season just so that you can have him ready for next year? I, I don't know, but things are going really, really bad right now for him. Well, he's not he's not missing any bats. I mean, there were so many like BP nothing pitches over the middle of the plate against the Phillies on Monday. I, I don't know how many. It was at least over five pit, uh, uh, balls that were hit off of him that were over 100 miles an hour in exit velocity. I mean, the one that was hit at Corbin Carroll that I was talking about earlier was at 113 miles per hour. Bryce Harper smoked that ball. Yeah. Um, Mad Bum only can't even get through the fourth inning. Um, gives his team. Luckily, this team fights and they didn't give up because he gave them zero chance to win that game. Seven down, seven nothing in the third inning. I mean, come on. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's weird, and it's weird to hear Madison Bumgarner be the one that is joking about giving up seven runs like he's not very good at joking by the the, way he said it pretty seriously but what does that tell you it tells you that he has no idea why he sucks right now he has no idea what's going on he he has he has no answers for the problems that are happening right now and that's not good and i mean it's i guess it's up to brett brent strom to to figure that out uh, along with Bumgarner. but i mean the conversation about shutting him down for the rest of the season, I mean, it needs to be had if it hasn't been had already. I'm sure it has been. But, I mean, he's giving you no chance to win right now. He's been so bad. He's been so bad in in uh, in his last few starts. I'm looking up the numbers right now. His August numbers alone must be terrible. And, and part of me thinks, you know what? This guy has a track record. This guy has clout in the business. He's a former World Series MVP. He went to three. He got three rings in San Francisco. Uh, like, there's a reason that he's still around. And you can't get out of a slump unless you play. I mean, he needs to play to get out of it. You can't just shut him down and then next year expect him to be way better, right? I mean, like. Is that the expectation? I don't understand what shutting him down would really accomplish. I understand why fans don't want to see him anymore because he's been that level of bad lately. Um, His whole tenure with the Diamondbacks has been pretty rocky, to say the least. I mean, his last seven starts, Steve, listen to this. He's one and four with a 7-3-6 ERA. 7-3-6. 0.36 ERA, a 1.64 whip. He's given up 56 hits in 40 and a third innings. Oh. 33 earned runs. He yeah. he doesn't strike anybody out. He only has 30 strikeouts in his last 40 innings. I mean, I mean it's horrible. He's giving up he, he's not even walking guys. Only 10 walks in his last 40 innings pitched. 56 hits. Yeah, that's batting he practice. He he can't get any swing and miss on anything. I mean, he's throwing his 89-mile-an-hour fastball down the middle of the plate. His breaking stuff's in the middle of the plate. Everything's in the middle of the plate right now. He's not missing any bats. He doesn't have swing and miss stuff. I mean, but do you really want to keep sending him out there knowing that, well, we're probably not going to win this game? He's, we're probably not going to win. Madison Bumgarner's pitching. We're probably not going to win. That yeah. doesn't really give you give your other guys a lot of confidence either. You know. Yeah, but on like, the on the flip side, if you shut him down 
and you're just like, all right, well, be ready for spring training and and be ready for opening day. Not that he would pitch on opening day, but like, you know, be ready for the next season. Then you're just postponing the inevitable at that point, aren't you? I mean, like you can't honestly expect to shut him down and then just have his ERA get cut by a run and a half next year like that. That's not something that's realistic either. I'm not even sure that he's a top four pitcher on this team right now. And he's your highest paid player. Here's the thing, though. If you shut him down right now and did, and for the rest of the year, what what is that? Five starts? Six starts? Probably. I mean, it's just a handful of starts. You know what I mean? It's He, he pitches only once every five days. So, I mean, I don't think it'd be like shutting him down for half the season where he'd miss, like, 15 starts. It's just a handful. But also, I mean, how much? I mean, I, you're, I not, you're not making the playoffs, right? I mean, well, no, but probably not. They're nine and a half games out of the wild card. Then why wouldn't you take this opportunity to have him work his way out of it? Try to work your way out of it. Because, again, my point with shutting him down is it just doesn't do any good other than keeping him off the field. You know what I mean? Well, this team always says that they're trying to win baseball games. So, I mean, he's not helping you win baseball games. He's he's just not helping you win. He's giving you no chance to win. He's going to be on the team next year, right? You firmly believe that? Oh, yeah. He's making $23 million next year. I Nobody's trading for him at this point with how bad he is. Then getting him you're, out of this you're slump not just is going to... You're just not just going to cut him and eat that twenty three million or uh, thirty seven million he's got left on his on his deal. Right. I agree. So that's why I think that taking him out now and not helping him get out of the slump hurts the team next year, which is more important to me than this year. I don't I don't think that they will shut him down, but I think they should talk about it and see what everyone thinks. Think because at this point, I mean, dude, <laughs> Seven three six ERA. This is this is your highest paid player. This is your you know supposed to be front of the rotation guy, and the dude can't get anyone out. That's Dallas Keuchel bad in Chicago earlier this year. Yeah, that whole situation. I mean, he wasn't yeah. their number one player, and I doubt he was their highest paid player. But you know that that's the I similar mean, they, situation, they right? Pretty big contract. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think maybe you have the discussion. I personally am not in favor of shutting him down just solely because I think you have to work your way out of it. Because like you said, he's going to be here next year. He's going to be a part of this team, whether he's the number one guy in your rotation or your number four or five guy, possibly, if you make some solid acquisitions in the offseason. We'll see. I, I I just think you need to work out of it. I go back to what we were talking about last week. In my opinion... He needs to be the either the fourth or the fifth option in your starting rotation. I think I think Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen are easily in your top three. They need to go get another starter. Yeah. Um. They need to go get another top three starter for the rotation if they're trying to make any waves next year in the in the National League. Um. Because Madison Bumgarner at this point, if you're trying to if you're trying to push for a playoff spot, maybe a wild card spot. One of the three, one of the three of them that we have now. Um, I don't think Madison Bumgarner can be in. I, I don't even think he can be your third starter. I mean, he's just not. He's just not at all what he. And what's just what's crazy about Madison Bumgarner is that every time I think about him, I you know, he's just. I I think he's just an old guy. You know, like he's so old. 
The dude is only 33. Madison Bumgarner is only three years older than me. And I feel like he could be my grandpa. You know, like, I feel like he's been, he has been around for a long time. He's very old school, too. Yes. That plays a a part. And he looks old. He looks like he's 45. You know, very rugged. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's all the, 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 the life on the ranch out in the sun, riding horses and wrangling bulls. But, um, but, it's just crazy how far he's fallen and he's only 33. Like he should be in his prime right now. You know what I Right. I mean, he does have a lot of miles on his arm with all the extended postseason runs that the giants had with him. Um, and how much they used him in that world series that they won against Kansas city. But it's just, he shouldn't be this bad. I would at agree with age. you on that. He shouldn't have this worse of stuff at this age. I don't know what's been going on, um, but I agree. He's going to be on this team. He's going to be in the rotation next year because he's Madison Bumgarner. They're not going to put him in the bullpen. No. They need to figure it out. It, and whatever way they think is best to figure it out, whether it, it is shutting him down and having him go back to basics, uh, you know, if they if they put him on the injured list, injured list with some BS injury and then have him do a couple rehab things and, you know, simulated games or bullpens or whatever, whatever, or, or if it's just, you know, let's keep him up here and run him out there every five days and see if he can figure it out. Then whatever they decide is they just, they need to figure it out because if this team wants to improve next year and possibly, like I said, make a playoff push for a wild card spot, I don't think they're winning the division. Diamondbacks are finishing up the Phillies series today at 640. That's tonight at Chase Field. Then they get the Brewers for a couple of games. Looks like a four-game series to start September. Then they get the Padres. Um I think everybody's just going to be watching the young guys. That's all anybody's going to care about for the next, I don't know, month of the season, the final remainder of the year. It's going to be all about Corbin Carroll. It's going to be all about Alec Thomas. And uh, I got to be honest with you, even the whole Bumgarner situation, I think it just kind of fades into the background compared to that. Yeah. By the way, the team moved into third place in the NL West after last night. It's not nothing. They're in a they're in a they have the same exact record as the Giants. I think they're they're each 61 and 67. But the D-backs have the the tiebreaker is better head-to-head record against the team you're tied with. So they have beat the Giants more than the Giants have beat the Diamondbacks. So uh, they're technically in third place right now. So, I mean, it's it's a small victory, but you'll take it. I mean, I'll, I'll take it for sure. I don't want to be in last place or fourth place. I mean, the team has improved. They've already won what six more games and they won all of last year i never believed in the giants for the record so i'm just gonna ride that yeah they were kind of a flash in the pan one thing that i do believe in it's an exciting time to be the arizona diamondbacks and to be a fan of this team and that's not something we get to say a lot hey thanks so much for checking out the ain't no fang podcast this week for cody fincher i'm steve zinsmeister you have been listening to the ain't no fang podcast here at arizonasports.com and on the arizona sports app 